Greetings and facilitations to all ladies, gentlemen, Imston, and the broad spectrum between and beyond. You're listening to Voice of the Via, Minharis' foremost EtherWave program coming to you on all Crown-licensed and approved EtherWave receivers. Covering news and entertainment, Voice of the Via brings you the lore and the data from Farstone to Petra, Kvark to Litho, from the crater floor to the top of the Minher itself and to every skiff sailing across the lay. Welcome, friends, welcome. As always, I am privileged to be your host, Marsh Batau. On today's program, we'll be interviewing the Baron of the Belt himself, Garnok Chozoi. We will be discussing what it takes to be a member of the Crown Council, and we will get his thoughts and opinions as the primary representative for the Minharan lay industry. That and more, coming up. But first, this capitalist message. Friends, when the sun goes down, how often have you found yourself squinting in dim firelight, or the yellow-orange of an electron candle, barely able to see the words on a page or a task right in front of your face? Don't you ever wish there was something... better? Well, folks, the good news is that Mdele Mbembe has got you covered with his all-new line of vacuum diode lamps. Yes, Lord Mbembe has had his engineers working tirelessly to create the brightest, whitest lamp available, making work after sundown a breeze. Their proprietary Voluthian nine-step manufacturing process guarantees brilliant light that will last a dozen or more times longer than standard lamps. And they're safer, too. Unlike most electron candles, Mbembe lamps are cool to the touch, making them safe enough even for a child's nursery. And like all of their extraordinary products, Mbembe lamps use no arcane parts, so they are legal to use anywhere in Minharis. Don't settle for dangerous, old-fashioned, or dodgy lighting solutions. Light up your home and light up your life with Mdele Mbembe's vacuum diode lamps. Just six silver, wherever fine-grade electron implements are sold. Available at Montague Magleby's Marvelous Emporium. Now, the voice of the Via brings you the Crown News. Our top story. The mystery of the Via's disappearance has taken a bizarre turn, as letters apparently written by the Via herself have begun to appear. The baffling letters showed up during one of the latest crossover phenomena that saw visitors arriving from other worlds. Bearing the official seal of the Via, which listeners may remember went missing along with our monarch herself, the short missives attempted to reassure the people of Menharis that the Via was alive and well, and apparently living in disguise in order to learn more about the plight of the common Menharan, a perspective that the letters claim the Via hitherto lacked. Sources tell the voice of the Via that the letters were authenticated by the twin guard, though there are many who still hold their doubts. A witness on the scene had this to say, Called it! Ha <laughs> ha! Better keep a close eye on your bodily fluids, folks. Crown authorities ask that if anyone finds more letters that appear to be from the Via to turn them over to the Knights or Constabulary, regardless of whether or not you believe them to be genuine. Citizens of Minharis continue to grow concerned over yet another rash of Arcid encounters, this time near Kvark. The large carnivores, well known to many rural Minharans, appear to be encroaching closer and closer to towns and villages, and citizens are encouraged to not leave any refuse outside and uncovered so as not to attract the dangerous creatures. Night patrols, as well as those of local amateur militia, have been increasing in the area in order to combat the creatures. We will keep you posted on any further sightings. An anonymous tip to the constable in Bryn Steps has led to a raid that uncovered an illicit lay smuggling ring. 
Several arrests were made in the early morning action at an undisclosed farmhouse, where Knight seized not only a sizable amount of raw and refined lay, but also a number of illegal arcane objects. The nature of the objects has yet to be ascertained, and the identities of those arrested have not been released, but they reportedly have been remanded to the Order for questioning. Neither the Knights nor the Order responded to requests for comment. A spokesperson for the Knights of the Crown reassured a group of concerned citizens this morning. The small crowd had gathered outside the palace gates regarding a seeming rash of missing lay workers. At press time, the voice of the Via was unable to confirm the rumors that members of both the Layman's League and the Stone Seekers have been disappearing within the past few months. The Knight Lieutenant issued the following statement. The numbers being thrown around in popular media are speculative and completely false. Our lay industry workers' safety is our utmost priority, and they are well protected. And for our final story, the annual Stella Tarmacki Memorial Ked Pageant took place today in Litho. Despite the acrid travel advisory, contestants and spectators came from all over Minharis to show off their prize Ked. The winning Ked was Lucinda Bell, who weighed in at a remarkable 1,588 pounds and was a clear favorite with the judges, one of whom spoke to our correspondent. Well, all Ked are winners in my book, but that Lucinda Bell really was the top of the pick. Good, even head, strong legs, and a full udder. She'll make a good milk cat here in the next few years, that's for sure. Cat in the pageant were judged in several categories, including confirmation, poise, and horniness. What? Oh, the size of their horns, right. Last year's controversial lingerie category was dropped from this year's program. And that's the news, friends. Tune in tomorrow to stay current on all the latest happenings in our great nation. And now, friends and neighbors, it's time for our daily chat with my good friend and your favorite capitalist entrepreneur, Mr. Montague Magleby. How is life treating you, Monty? Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Monty's Moment. Tis I, Montague Magleby, owner and proprietor of the Marvelous Emporium. Today, I would like to discuss appreciation. Yes, that one thing that all of us need. We all need to know that we are appreciated in one way or another. And I would like to show my appreciation publicly for my dear friend, Mr. Marsh Patel. For without him, I wouldn't be here. Without him, we wouldn't get to share these moments, my dear listener. No, without him, we wouldn't be informed. We wouldn't know what's happening in our country. He's made life so much easier. He's also entertained us while giving us the news by bringing on different programs and different moments and things of the like. I mean, he truly has given us a gift. And for that, I say thank you. Thank you, Marsh Patel, from the bottom of my heart. You know, listeners, one of the best ways to show appreciation for someone, aside publicly announcing it on the Etherwave, is a gift. And where can one find the most grand gifts of all? Oh, I can see it. Yes, you're, you're shouting it at the Etherwave right now. The Marvelous Emporium, I hear you say. The Marvelous Emporium, Monty. And to that, I would say you are correct, my dear listener. You name it, we have it. And if we don't have it, we will find it. Because that is what we do. That is my guarantee. So come on down to the Marvelous Emporium and find that perfect gift for that dear friend of yours. Well, that's all the time we have for today, my sweet, sweet listeners. I'd like to thank you for sharing this moment with me, Montague Magleby. And until we speak again, stay safe, Min Harris. 
Always good to hear from you, Monty. The preceding capitalist message was brought to you through the generous sponsorship of Montague Magleby, who is solely responsible for its content. And honestly, Miss Henry, I don't know why he upsets you so. And now, dear listeners, we turn your attention to our special interview. Our guest is the voice for the working man in the Crown Council. Now in his third year in office, friends laud him for his vocal condemnation of governmental corruption and is well regarded by his constituents, the Layman's League as well as the Stone Seekers. His opponents find him to be a tenacious political foe, leading to his reputation as the fighting foreman. Friends and neighbors, please join me in welcoming the Baron of the Belt himself, Garnock Chozoy. Thanks for being with us, Councillor. Thank you for this opportunity, Marsh. I am ecstatic to be able to talk with the people of Menhiris, to allow them to see what I do on a daily basis to help the Crown Court, as well as the stone seekers and laymen who go into the glow every day. The Baron of the Belt is usually a member of the Layman's League, though you are by no means the first stone seeker to hold that position. How do you think that your history as a seeker instead of a layman affects how you might perform your duties as Baron? My history as a stone seeker means that I understand a lot more than your average layman. Granted, I have seen the life of a layman and know about their different trials and tribulations, but as well I've seen the life of the stone seekers, how they dive deep and try to uncover as much lay as possible, and the different potential threats to their lives because of that. Because I have delved to the deepest depths of the glow, I know how to best represent those who skim the surface, as well as those who dive down and try to find treasures that others could not find. What are some of the particular challenges you face as the representative for the lay industry throughout Minharis? One of the challenges I face as the lay industry's representative is allowing people to give up their preconceived notions about what stone seekers and laymen are just based on reputation. A lot of people believe due to the dangerous nature of harvesting lay that the people who do it must be ruthless, cutthroat, greedy, selfish people. When in all reality, a lot of the people who turned to this profession felt that there was nowhere else for them to go. That society was putting on a pressure that they must succeed and this was the only way that they could. So, helping people to see that stone seekers and laymen are a necessary component to the culture we have here in Menhiris is one of my top priorities. That what we do helps Menhiris operate smoothly and helps people get what they need to better serve and better protect the people here. Is it important that people see the stone seekers in a positive light? I definitely believe that we need to see stone seekers this way. The simple truth is, without stone seekers, we would have a lay shortage. And what that means is the magic that protects our people would not be adequate. The knights would be without their Aegis, and the order would not be able to cast their protective magic that they do. Now, there may be some that disagree and say that what the laymen bring in would be enough. But those who have been a part of this industry understand that there is a vast difference in the quantity of lay provided by a layman compared to the quantity of lay provided by a stone seeker. We do need the layman to provide daily intakes of lay to those who need it, but as well the vast quantity that is provided by the stone seekers is necessary as well. Could you describe what it's like to be a stone seeker for our audience who may know nothing about what a stone seeker does? Certainly. 
So the difference between a layman and a stone seeker is that a layman stays on the top of the glow, harvesting the easy to reach lay deposits, which are in vastly smaller quantities, and returning to make a profit on their light risk. A stone seeker dares to go further. They dive deeper into the glow, finding the biggest veins of lay that they can find and mining it out, storing this lay into their ship's reliquaries to safehold them as they traverse the depths of the glow. Their job is one of difficulty and daring, as they put their life and limb on the line, whether it be to lay exposure, unstable weather, or even marauding thieves, in order to get the magic that they find into the hands that need it. They would risk it all for those that they consider family, their brothers and sisters. And this high risk that they take to their own health and safety does oftentimes come with a high reward. Some consider it the satisfaction in what they do. Some consider it the greater financial compensation that they do gain. And some just consider it the adventure of being freed from what they consider common society. Do you ever find it especially difficult serving on the council with your disability? Not necessarily. My position on the Crown Court is not one that requires physical sight, but more a sound mind, a keen intellect, and a caring heart. It is true that lay blindness has affected me and has hampered with one of my physical attributes, but it also has opened up my affinity to divination magic. So now I can use the visions that I see, as well as the divination techniques that I learned with my time in the Order, to better help the Council make decisions. We now have informed decisions knowing the more likely outcomes and certain futures that we'd face with those actions. In this way, I did lose one physical ability, yes, but the ability that I gained from it better helps me serve the Council and the whole of Menhiris. I understand that this year it was determined that it was safe to resume lay harvesting weeks earlier than in previous years. Do you have any idea what might have caused such unprecedented lay thaw? And does it cause you any particular safety concerns? Yes, we have been looking into this early harvest season and trying to determine the reason as to why it is happening. Whether it be that nature is unpredictable and the seasons of time do not wait for our machinations, or whether it be that it is something that we as the people have caused to come into effect. We are taking every precaution possible to make sure that those working in the lay industry are being safe. But regardless of the reason as to why this thaw is happening, we are not looking this gift horse in the mouth and are taking full advantage of the time that we have. A lot of people speculate that with an early thawing, there may also be an early freezing season. And that is a risk we do not want to take. So, we'd rather take advantage of the time that we're given and make sure that we have enough lace stored up to last us through the frozen time. And speaking of safety concerns, there are rumors of an unusually high number of lay workers, seekers and laymen alike, going missing in the past few weeks. How would you address such rumors? As you have stated, this is a rumor. And while every rumor has a shard of the truth to it, sometimes that shard of the truth is smaller than we would assume. It is commonplace in the lay industry for there to be losses in your crew numbers, whether it be from known causes like a territorial dispute or lay combustion, to some that may be unknown, like those who were on night watch that can't be found in the morning, or those who have deserted in the dead of night. Rumors of this nature are not something that I take lightly, and I am personally consider of great importance. That is why we are trying to be proactive about this issue, 
and discovering where the source of this rumor comes instead of reactive. You missed the recent council vote that elected Knight Commander Narina Senarel to crown regent. What was the reason for your absence during such a momentous event? Ah yes, the crown regent vote. As previously stated, I would rather take every precaution necessary to get ahead of what is happening in the glow, to try and find where these rumors of disappearing crew members is propagating, and decided that if there is even a slight glimmer of truth to this, that the safety of those that I represent supersedes my duties as a member of the council. Therefore, I have been at the forefront of these investigations of missing workers and using my unique skills at divination to determine what is the next course of action we need to take. I would not ask any in my charge to do something that I myself would not do. And so I want to make sure that the people of Minhiris know that I am doing everything within my power to make sure that those in the lay industry are safe. Thank you for your time, Baron. Do you have any parting words for our dear listeners? The final thing I'd like to say is that Menhiris is filled with many people from different backgrounds doing what they believe is best for them and their community. Due to the differing opinions that is in this society, there comes a lot of generalizations about different groups and what their beliefs are to a polarized effect and even detrimental confrontations arise. So I would advise that everyone talks to one another. Get to know your neighbor. Understand what they believe and what they are willing to fight for. Not every knight is just a suit of armor, but a man or a woman protecting those that they love. Every ranger is not a bowman with a thirsty quiver, but a brother or sister who's trying to keep those that they cherish safe. Every stone seeker that you meet is not a cutthroat, murderous being, but someone who wants to have a better future ahead of themselves. So what I would advise is find out who people are, not just what they are. Because once we find out what you believe and what you stand for, we can understand and empathize with you more. And I believe that is the way to create a unified and strong Minhiris. There you have him, citizens. Crown Counselor Garnock Chozoi. And now, folks, a special message from the Twin Guard, the Knights and Rangers of the Crown. Once, there were a few proud people. People of adventure people of courage, people who knew the meaning of honor. There still are, and you can join them if you have what it takes. Duty, loyalty, sacrifice. These are the things it takes to become a knight. Maybe you can be one of them, the strong, the humble, the knights of the crown. Contact your local recruiter today to begin your journey to glory. The preceding was a public service announcement brought to you by the Knights of the Crown, because I certainly didn't write it. And now for another capitalist message. Experience, neighbors. That's what you look for in a potioner. Long years of study, research, trial, and refinement, all to bring you the best potions and elixirs that money can buy. Sure, you could buy some cheap mass-produced swill that you hope will work, but wouldn't you rather go with someone who's been trusted for over 40 years? Of course you would. Which is why you can put your faith in Madame Husselheim's fine potions and elixirs, just north of the town square in Farstone. Madame Husselheim prides herself on using only the best, most potent ingredients, hand-picked from her suppliers along the steps of the crater, ground by hand and carefully measured to the dosage that is just right for you. 
Whether you need your medication as a pill, a tea, or a blowgun dart, count on Madame Husselhine for the best potions, elixirs, tinctures, and poultices. Do they cost more? Of course they do. What are you, some kind of cheap creep? Just ask yourself, can you really put a price on good health? I think we both know the answer. So remember, friends, Madame Husselhine's fine potions and elixirs. Wherever someone is feeling terrible, Madame Husselhind is there. It's time, my friends, for everyone's favorite segment, the Classified Bulletins. Herrick Strom of Billing Steps is offering a reward for any information regarding who might have chopped down the shale trees along his southern property line. Twenty silver if your tip leads to the culprit. A personal message. AC, we are watching you. You have 22 days to make your peace. W.G. Here's a legal note. Salvage rights will be awarded for the abandoned Stoneseeker sloop, the Razor, in three days' time. Claimants have that time to render any liens before the Crown Court, or else forfeit their shares. Ah, a connection message. I was the girl with the glowing necklace at the Farstone Park. You were the older gent in black and yellow. I like talking to you about your philosophies, and I would like some of my friends to meet you. We will be where I met you this Saturday. Jadis the Oak will be taking on all comers, bare knuckles only, at the Lost Ash Inn in Petra. Ten silver buy-in gets you twenty if you win. Loser also buys drinks. Hmm, might be worth it for a date with her. Memorial services for matron Kirig Shamath will be held tomorrow at dusk near the Cliffside Temple in Leighton, with all night reception to follow. Come celebrate a life well lived. Weapons will be collected at the door. The Litho Foundlings Home, now under the new management of Miss Tilly Tolliver, is currently accepting donations of cloth, artistic supplies, and instruments in the hope of starting a Foundlings marching band. All donations can be dropped off during the week at any time before 6 p.m. Donations of earplugs can be dropped off to everyone else in the neighborhood. And finally, friends, the world-famous Funny Bones Club in Farstone is hosting an open stage this Friday and Saturday night. So come on down to the corner of First Street and Excellence Boulevard to try to get your friends to shoot ale out of their noses. And that's all for our classified bulletins, friends. Tune in tomorrow for more, but until then, if you would like to post a classified bulletin, send it along with two silver to Voice of the Via, care of Minharis Morning Media. And now it is once again time for today's episode of The Thrilling Adventures of Sephira Starling. Last time on The Thrilling Adventures of Sephira Starling, thanks to some quick thinking from Sephira, our heroes managed to escape Harlan Nightshade's burning laboratory and race to the Zephyr Station. Time is running out as Sephira and Ali arrive to stop the nefarious madman's wicked scheme. Quick, Ali. Mr. Nightshade will surely be in the central terminal with most of the foot traffic. We'll never get there in time. The lines are too long. We're not going to wait in line, my dear. This way. Safira grabs Ali's hand and drags them past the line of people filtering in through the ticketing booth. She breaks into a run and leaps over the velvet ropes, catching the attention of the disgruntled security personnel. Ali glances over their shoulder as the two push their way through the crowd toward the center terminal. Uh, those guards don't look too happy with us. Let them come along. 
They burst into the busy central terminal pursued by security. Somewhere among the bustle, Harlan Nightshade is preparing his attack. We'll split up and search for him. I'll whistle if I find him, and you'll do the same, all right? Aye, aye, Safira. The pair head off in different directions to scour the room for the villain. Shoving her way through the crowd, Safira comes across him standing near a wheeled luggage under the skylight in the middle of the room. She gives a sharp high whistle to summon Ali, but Nightshade is alerted as well. Coat draped over his arm, he turns to her with a cunning smile. Well, 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 Miss Starlin. You are proven to be far more troublesome than I had anticipated. That's exactly what my teachers used to say. I suppose I'm just too smart for my own good. Not smart enough. You would have done well to stay out of my way. Now you'll die with the rest of these sheep. Revealing a pocket pistol hidden under his coat, Harlan points it at Zafira as he produces a respirator mask and slides it over his mouth and nose. In less than a minute, the concoction in this case will be released into the air. And there's nothing you can do about it. Ah, ah, ah. Stay right where you are. I would hate to be forced to do something violent. That measly pistol doesn't frighten me, Mr. Nightshade. I've been shot before and it's honestly not so bad. It's the perfect excuse to woo the local nurses. I'm afraid you'll be headed for the morgue, Miss Starling. Not the hospital. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Just then, Arlie comes barreling out of the crowd from behind Nightshade and tackles him to the ground. The crowd cries out in fright, and Safira uses the confusion to pounce on the madman's luggage. She throws it open to reveal a large canister and a mechanical dispersal device made of pipes and gears. The pocket watch inside ticks steadily downward. As she starts looking for the controls, Harlan rolls to the side and throws Arlie off. He gets to his feet, aiming the pistol at the young person's head. Arlie, quick as a flash, grabs his wrist and rolls over their shoulder, wrenching the gun from Nightshade's grasp. Both Arlie and Harlan lunge for the weapon, but Arlie is faster and steps back with the gun pointed at the dastardly alchemist. Ha! You're not gonna kill me, Kedling. You're no murderer. I can see it in your eyes. You're right. Arlie starts to lower the gun, and Nightshade's lips curl in a devilish smile. But who said anything about killing you? Bang! The sound of a gunshot reverberates off the domed ceiling, and Nightshade screams in pain, falling back as he clutches his now bleeding foot. Drawn by the sound, the Zephyr Station security arrives, just as Safira tears out the wiring to the device's controls, and the pocket watch's hands stop moving. There we go. Well done, Ali. Thanks, Safira. It was nothing. Stop right there! We've got you surround- Safira? I should have known. There had better be a good explanation as to why your assistant just shot a man in my Zephyr station. Ah, Security Chief Benley, you're just in time. This man was planning a sinister and deadly attack which I have just successfully foiled. I think you'll find he's the one responsible for the murder of your missing ticket clerk. I hope you have evidence to back that up. Indeed I do. I'll compile a full report right away. Good. Now get this man to a holding room and call the knights. This isn't over, Miss Starlin. You haven't seen the last of Harlan Nightshade. Come, Arnie. Let's speak to the authorities and then head out for some celebratory drinks. What do you say? The day is saved thanks to the bravery and wit of Arlie and Safira. But things are never peaceful for long when Safira is involved. 
Tune in next time as our heroes head to Sireth to solve a mystery at the request of an old friend on the thrilling adventures of Safira Starling. Here's a special message from Commander Pier Thrawn of the Crown Rangers. Greetings to all within the sound of my voice. As you may no doubt already know, this is Ranger Commander Pier Thrawn. I wish to take this opportunity to say perhaps what I am sure is the official first word from the Rangers of the Crown on the challenges that face Menhiris. Having that said, let us begin. The situation with the Vaya weighs heavily on us all. Darkane threats are rumored to be growing by the day. Are we going to rise to the challenges that face us, or will we tremble like children? In these times, like in the times before, Menhiris cries out for saviors. Litho, Corsador, Valkenis, and elsewhere, we must rise from our slumber now and we must fight. That is all. Thank you for your time, and I now return you to your program, already in progress. And now, another capitalist message. My friends, good health isn't a luxury for folks with fat purses and platinum spoons. It's not a privilege to be handed out by the haves as a favor to the have-nots. Health is a right. And now, thanks to none other than Apothecarius Lindstrom, you can claim that right for coppers, not the silver demanded by ancient crones in dank, sketchy potion parlors. Come on down to one of our bright new modern locations in Farstone, Oliveira, Litho, and our new store in Hamprest, and see the amazing variety of cures and panaceas that Apothecarius Lindstrom has to offer. Everything from medicated time-release candles for whistling cough, to smoke liqueurs for teething babies, to convenient bitsweed tea bags for when a female's lunar cycle hits particularly hard. Apothecarius Lindstrom's cadre of in-house alchemists work tirelessly in clean, dedicated laboratories to produce the most modern formulations at a fraction of the price. What is their secret? Volume, friends! The scientists working under Apothecarius Lindstrom brew entire cauldrons of each medicinal potion and healing draft, making the process less expensive ounce for ounce, and then passing the savings along to you. Don't trust your health care to glorified grannies mortaring ingredients in the same sink where they wash their socks. You deserve a new way, a better way, the Apothecarius Lindstrom way. Next, we have another paid segment. Enjoy, friends. Greetings, folks. Welcome to Carl's Fact Battles. I'm your host, Carl. And I gotta tell you, I really thought long and hard about presenting what I'm about to tell you. It wasn't an easy decision to make, but I decided that, well, it's just too important. My life will be in danger after disclosing what I've recently learned, folks, but the truth has to get out there. I owe you all that. Recently, one of my reliable anonymous sources delivered me some shocking news, and you're not going to believe it, folks. We were all told that Via Ceres, the previous Via before the one that is presently in disguise as an exotic dancer at the Rutting Unicorn Tavern in Farstone, was assassinated nine years ago. And that's true. What we weren't told, and trust me folks, I've checked my sources on this, was that Viaceris' head was frozen and later resuscitated two years ago. That's right, people. The current crown is just a sham government being run by a severed head on magical life support kept in a freezer. She's pulling the strings of government, mind-controlling them from between the vanilla and the rum raisin. 
and no one is even talking about it except me, because the crown's secret cabal of murder gnomes is keeping them silent. Well, I will be silent no more, and I'm not afraid, folks, no siree. If those tiny pointed-head ceramic freaks come after me, I've got a gas-powered weed whacker with their name on it. And that is if they can catch me, because I'm telling you folks, I could run for miles without breaking a sweat, because I'm on a special course of vital amino chains and minerals that you can only get from our KFB supplements. Fifteen silvers and you too can be taking our daily cherry cola flavored chews which will give you the strength to resist the frozen brainwaves of Biosaurus, the supreme head sickle, and her army of highly trained killer garden ornaments. KFB supplements are available to apothecaries and potioners everywhere. And now it's time for me to go into hiding, folks. So tune in again for more of Carl's Fact Battles, where we go to war with the truth. And now it's time for our most popular segment, Tales from the Quill, where we bring you the finest in Menharan culture, courtesy of the Vaya's own laureates. Today's tribute to the creative Menharat spirit is a poem, a traditional favorite of anyone who sails over the lay. Please enjoy Abridos. As the wind soars high in the sky and the sea rages on, Abridos, beat your wings, guide our ship on. Hear the mighty call from heaven, the thunderous commands of Abridos, the feathered drum bringer of the storm's demands. Over the wild desert scape, onto our destined Rome, Abridos, shed your shimmering light. Lead us back to home. That was Abridos, the traditional sailor's cant. The next time you see a laureate in the wild, friends, won't you donate a few coppers to make sure Menharan culture continues to thrive and grow? Future Menharans will thank you. And now, folks, the time has come to bid you a fond farewell. As always, I've been your humble host, Marsh Patau. So until tomorrow, when we bring you once again the best and the brightest that Menharis has to offer, we leave you with these words to ponder. History classes are only going to get longer and harder as time goes on. Be well, friends. This is Voice of the Via, signing off. Voice of the Via is a production of Menharis Morning Media, a wholly owned sub-transactionary concern of Welkin Vale, all rights reserved. This episode produced by Tan Clark, Caleb Berger, Ashley Downs, and Don Curtin. Copyright the year 2021.